Hi everyone, welcome to Refining Grow with Justin and Lindsay. My name is Lindsay Allen. And my name is Justin Ewan, and this is your podcast for proven strategies on navigating and managing work life. Okay, so on this episode, we are going to highlight the chapter called Be Okay with Awkward Silence in my book coming out June 30th, Refining Grow Lessons Learned on Navigating the Business World. I talk about my journey of the greatest lessons I learned in business, which primarily came from Justin and Shanae, who is co-hosting, a guest host for this season. And Be Okay with Awkward Silence, that was another one that came from Shanae. And Shanae, I was really just asking you, it was a one-on-one meeting and I was trying to get your advice. I was a little bit further in my career. I wasn't necessarily ramping up on my first project. I had the basic skill set down of being a project manager and I was ready to advance my skill set. And in talking to you about managing stakeholders and relationships. This was something you said, and it's actually my favorite piece of advice that I ever learned because of all of the goodness that came out of the awkward silences. When I very first heard it from you, I'm a recovering people pleaser. So this was insane for you to suggest that I just be silent. You were like, how about when the conversation is over, when there's nothing left to say, you just stop talking. And I was like, what? But I have to ask them how their day was. And I don't want them to feel awkward for that moment. So I would love to hear from you about how did you discover this advice? How did you use it in your career? And what value did you gain from learning how to be okay with awkward silences? Yeah, so this is actually a personal experience. So I tend to be the silent observer in the room a lot of times. I don't really speak a lot during meetings. I'm often the person who's taking in all the information, watching everybody's body language, listening to what people are saying and how they're saying it in a meeting, especially. If I'm in a one-on-one or in a small group setting, it's more obvious that that's what I'm doing because I really like to ready my thoughts before I share. And so in a small group setting, especially, that means that sometimes I just need to take a moment, think about things, and then participate in the conversation. And so once I realized that this was something that I really needed to do to gather my thoughts, to feel like I was contributing in the best way in these interactions, I thought, you know what? There's probably other people that need to do this too. It's probably not just me. And so I started paying attention and when people were taking moments, I started watching their body language to see, are they thinking? Are they done talking? Is there more here? And I found that once I was doing this more and more, I was able to better predict when they were done speaking or when they were still thinking and maybe had more coming and when I could say, say more about that or, you know, whatever. And like you, I have found that by allowing people that time to process whatever it is they're processing, it really gives them the opportunity to have more thoughtful responses instead of just feeling like they need to respond right away, which gives, you know, the opportunity for a much richer conversation, I think, in general. Yes. And one of the things I highlight is in quieting down and observing others, I noticed that there was also what seemed like a common thought process across folks who were new to a project, to a role, to a company that were part of my team showing up and feeling like they needed to speak up in order to be seen as somebody who's adding value. So how did you kind of navigate that? 
You know, that's a good question. I just never really felt that I needed to speak up. And I remember a few specific, really important meetings where I didn't really speak the whole time. People were arguing with each other. Everyone was fighting to get their voices heard. And at the end, I would give my input. And I never really felt like I wasn't heard, even though I wasn't in the fray. It's been my nature to do that way. I've never really been the arguing type, especially in a work environment. So it's interesting. I don't know that I've really developed. I think that's just kind of how I always approached it. What more developed was my awareness of it and making sure that I was taking advantage of those opportunities with other people. And recognize that if there are other people that are sitting in a meeting and not talking, it doesn't necessarily mean they're not contributing or that they're not paying attention. They're taking it in. And, you know, some people don't even like to speak in a meeting. Some people like to take it in and leave and send an email and say, here's what I got out of that. And recognizing that that's okay. That's just how that person is processing the information. Right. And one of the benefits I got from learning how to listen and think more about what it was I wanted to say and if it would be a contribution that was valuable to the discussion, I ended up being someone who people listened to when I spoke. That's right. And I definitely have had that reputation in work settings as well. Shanae's not going to say anything until she's ready. And then it's probably going to be thoughtful because I'm just not speaking to be heard. Right. And I avoided pitfalls of accidentally volunteering to do something, right? Because I'm speaking and not thinking, taking on more than I can or saying I can implement a solution I haven't thought all the way through and committing to that. You know, we probably have a lot of folks in the audience who are at organizations where the pressure to contribute is pretty high. There's a sense of if I say more, I'm adding value, whereas if I'm quiet, I may not be adding value. What guidance would you guys give to those individuals that are in those high pressure environments where there's a false equivocation that speaking up is contributing or adding value to a conversation? Justin, I think it's a great question. And I think it depends on the role that you're playing in the situation. If I'm facilitating a meeting with a bunch of clients or colleagues or whatever it is, that's not a time to sit back and be quiet for sure. And often my most quiet times are high stress times where folks are having heated discussions or things like that. I just add more value by observing what's going on and then being able to consolidate all of that and re-deliver it back to the group at the end. If I do have a really strong opinion or something that I need to say that I think will move the group forward or that I think will add to the solution, I'll definitely speak up and say it. But I've never been the person to be in a meeting and have my voice heard the most. And so I think by making sure that you're adding value in the things that you're contributing and moving closer to the solution, it's a question of quality versus quantity in that case. And that's not true for everybody. That's certainly true for me, but that's not true for everybody. Some people like to work out their thoughts out loud with other people. That's just not how I communicate. I like how you tied it back to a previous episode where we talked about asking questions that help get to the solution, because that was my train of thought when you asked the question, Justin, is I ask questions. It's sometimes better than adding my thoughts or opinions when I don't have all the information. And that's how I can be seen or heard is asking really good questions. What kind of guidance would you give someone who's maybe receiving a lot of pressure to contribute more? And that's just not A, their communication style, or B, they may fundamentally disagree with that line of thinking. If you have a junior employee or a consultant, or even someone more senior in their career who's getting a lot of pressure from a supervisor to 
be more vocal? How would you help them construct a response? I think Lindsay nailed it with, you know, asking the questions to move the conversation in the right direction, like facilitating. I've definitely found myself in that role in instances where it was obvious that the expectation was that I was contributing a little bit more. And so I would kind of take on that role of facilitator and ask meaningful questions to try to move the conversation more towards that solution. Right. I agree. And I would also add making myself an owner of an agenda item. Then I can prepare and know what it is I want to say or what I need my audience to hear. That's a piece I even feel to this day. I'm sitting in a meeting and sometimes I'll feel myself going, but you haven't contributed. You've got to say something. And I'm doing a much better job later in life, not confusing the fact that speaking is the same thing as adding value. Yeah. For me, when I started to use the advice, it was extremely uncomfortable. So I had to do it consciously. I had to actually give myself a pep talk about how we're going to use our listening ears. (laughs) And we're not (laughs) going to speak up right away, Lindsay. And when there's an awkward silence, you don't have to be the one to speak up. And then what I was able to do is once I was past how uncomfortable it is, I moved into becoming a better observer of people's behaviors, tones, nonverbal cues. And that all helped me know my audience even better and approach them in a better way. But not only that, one of the most surprising things for me was that particularly if it was a small group, if I didn't fill in the awkward silence, someone else felt compelled to. And the information they would bring to the table was so fascinating. Did you have moments like that, Sinead? Absolutely. And that's what I alluded to earlier. You know, people, if they're not comfortable with the silence, they'll just say anything to get rid of the silence. But if you make it comfortable for folks to sit in the silence and to sit with their thoughts for a moment, then the chances of something more thoughtful coming out are much higher. Or it would be like whatever was on their mind the most, they would talk about. So a problem in their personal life or an issue with someone at work or a new system or a project or a supervisor. And that really helped me map the relationships in my mind. I have a mentor, someone who I meet with almost weekly. He's 82 years old now. And he's not a business mentor. He's just a life mentor. And he taught me years ago to be comfortable with silence and not to fill the void and allow people the time to process and think. And as we've gone through this recent phase of more remote work and still, by and large, are working remotely like the three of us are right now. We're all at different points across the country right now. It's even more important to leave space because not only are people practically coming off mute or you just think differently when you're in a room by yourself, connected through the internet, than I think you do in a room. There's more dynamic interaction in a room. And I think we play off of each other a little bit faster, potentially. That hypothesis has not been verified as true, but I think we're just a little bit slower. And so I have followed kind of that seven second rule. I count to seven Mississippi, particularly when I'm facilitating a meeting. And I encourage people like, hey, it's going to feel awkward. It may feel awkward. That's okay. We're allowing people the time to think, get their laptops or their phones off mute, construct a question or process what they've been going through. And that seven seconds feels like an eternity on a call, but it really does provide the time for folks to respond in a meaningful way. And even being okay with more than seven seconds of silence before we just move on to the next topic. 
Justin, I think that's so important. And that was right where I was going to go next. With working virtually, it is so important to respect that silence. And I love the seven second rule. I think it's a great rule of thumb. I can't tell you how many times we've been in where I have been in conversations and I've been getting ready to contribute something and the person moves on and I've lost my chance. And so, you know, sometimes I'll just type something into the chat window if I feel it's important enough, but sometimes I just miss the opportunity. So I do think it's important because you can't see people's faces. You can't see their body language to see, are they thinking? Are they just sitting and waiting? So I love the seven second rule. I think that's fantastic. Justin, can you talk a little bit about what you gained by using that seven second rule? Like I was saying that I would get information on what people truly thought about a new project or a system that was being implemented or whatever was top of mind for them, kind of bothering them that they can now speak about at the end of a meeting when I was okay with the awkward silence. Can you talk about some of the good bits that you've gotten from using that tool? Yeah, I kind of see three, I'd say three key themes, at least. A, we're not all extroverts. I turn it on. I'm a functional extrovert, but I'm really an introvert. So there are just days where I'm sapped. I'm just done. I've had as much human interaction as I can possibly contain within myself. And I just want to curl up in a corner and suck my thumb in the fetal position. I still have to be on for different meetings. And so for folks like me, I think creating space so that they can process and They're much more internal and they need time to go from internal to external in their thought process and their articulation. So that's A. B, I generally find broad brush strokes, men always have something to say, always. And they are generally formulating their thoughts while other people are still talking. So they're not truly listening. And I will never admit if I'm guilty of this, but we are already starting to form words with our mouth before the other person has stopped talking. So we are not really listening. We're just concerned about talking. And a lot of the women that I've worked with, again, generally are really good listeners and they are going to wait for someone to fully process their thought, articulate it. And then they're going to sit there and they're going to think on it for a minute before they respond. They're going to be thoughtful in their response. I find the seven second rule helps to give space and time to those individuals, primarily women that I work with, to get a word in edgewise, especially when it's a very male heavy, male dominant talk. And I tell you what, you can even feel the testosterone on a call when we're spread all over the country. And I think that's something men really have to learn and grow in for the most part. Again, not every guy, but I'd say nine out of 10 that I've met really need to grow in. And so that seven seconds creates balance in the force for a conversation to actually happen. And then lastly, I'm someone who likes to listen to things and process it. And I don't think that has anything to do with an extrovert or introvert tendency, but I like to process things. I like to think about things. Sometimes I'll leave a meeting and the next morning I'll be in the shower, I'll be on a run or I'll be grocery shopping, or I just have an opportunity to catch my breath. And that suddenly when I'm able to truly respond thoughtfully to what was being said. And I think the seven second rule even allows for that within the context of a conversation that we don't immediately have to have the great idea or the great question or the great retort. That sometimes we just need to leave space for response and the quality of the response I find goes up the longer you leave room. And so for those individuals that are processing still, it gives space. So I, I would say those three. And again, relatively broad brushstrokes. We're not binary by any stretch of the imagination, but 
it's fascinating listening to a group of men have a conversation versus listening to a group of women. It's much more thoughtful, much more concerned about allowing everyone to have space to articulate their idea, asking really good questions, not just making statements. It feels like sometimes a conversation between men is really just like a battle of statements, oftentimes talking over each other and not really listening. And so creating space in the conversation helps to mitigate that. Love that. Shanae, any parting thoughts? Justin just did a great job of summing up everything that we talked about, right? Is that everyone communicates differently. Everyone needs to communicate differently. Everyone processes things differently. And so allowing that silence, which doesn't necessarily need to be awkward either, but allowing that space for people to process where they need to. I think it's just so important and recognizing that it's maybe not awkward and maybe it's okay to give people those opportunities. It's important. That's all for today's episode. To order your copy of the book, Refining Grow, Lessons Learned on Navigating the Business World and access additional resources, head out to our website at refiningrow.com. And tune in next week for an all new episode. Thanks for listening.